and we're winding it down, just a couple lessons left on making courageous decisions. And, you know, sometimes we make decisions, some decisions are easier to make than others. And uh, I think there are some that really take a lot of courage for us to make. One of the things that I know that uh, many of us deal with in life is, is that from time to time, we just kind of, uh, we kind of get off track and we get involved in things that is mentioned here in chapter 10 as the word folly. So tonight I've entitled this lesson, Run from Folly. Run from Folly. So look in your notes there and in your Bible, chapter 10 in verse number, verse number 10. We'll start there. The Bible says in verse 10, If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. And so tonight I want to take a look at this matter of folly and, and how that it shouldn't really be a part of our lives as a Christian. You know, many times we deal with things that are very trivial. And uh, if you've played games, most of you know what this game board is that's up on the slide. And, and uh, it's a game that's been popular for many years. It probably was one of the first games when it came to trivia. And a lot of times you think about uh, trivial matters and how, how in life there are some things that really don't matter much, but we make such a big deal out of those things. Uh, I was reading an illustration to kind of uh, get us going tonight which is a true illustration, uh, Brother Guy or somebody else in here uh, in his profession might re remember this, but on December 29, 1972, an Eastern Airlines flight that was heading from New York City to Miami had 178 passengers on board that flight. The flight was, of course, uh, had, had a crew on board that plane. The uh, pilots were well-trained, uh, well-qualified to fly the the brand new Lockheed passenger jet. The, the plane was in perfect working order. There was no problems with the plane at all. The flight uh, all the way from New York down to Miami was routine. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary. But somehow on the approach uh, into uh, Miami, there was a landing gear light that went off. And so the pilots began to try to uh, look at it and try to figure out what the, what the problem was. And as they saw the light, they began to circle around the Everglades. And long story short, the flight ended up crashing at 227 miles per hour into the Everglades. In all, 101 people were killed uh, with this plane wreck. And it was determined that at some point, the captain inadvertently leaned against his control stick while he was working on the light bulb. The slight pressure nudged the autopilot into a descent. By the time the pilots became aware of the descent, it was too late. For four minutes, and they, they have the recording and everything, for four crucial minutes, the flight team focused on a light bulb rather than on the flight. The reason Flight 401 crashed was the distraction caused by a burnt out light bulb. 
101 people died because of a landing gear light bulb. And you know, many times in life, we get so distracted over trivial things. It's easy to do. I've had it happen in my life many times. Things that are so trivial. And when you think about this matter of trivial pursuit, let me just give you a few thoughts here by way of introduction tonight. The word pursuit, I think most of us are familiar with, it's the act of following or pursuing someone or something. That's what to pursue or pursuit is. It's following someone or something. Now, the word trivial means of little importance. I mean, it's, it's trivial. It, 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 it is something where you are concerned only with that which honestly could be called foolish. And so many people are pursuing things that are trivial in life. And the Christian cannot get caught up in the trivial matters of life. We've got to understand there's a purpose for the Christian life. That God wants us to make a choice, a courageous decision to run from folly. Now, Solomon here, as he is writing this uh, book, and there's a lot of wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes, here's what he's doing. He's challenging us as Christians to guard ourselves against pursuing the trivial. Because the reason that he's able to say this, now there was a time in his life, but by the time we're in chapter 10, Solomon has realized that folly is what distracted him in his life. Folly is also what derailed him from his reign as king. Uh, there was a lot of things in his life. And I know many Christians, their lives have been sabotaged by something as futile as, if I could use the illustration, a burnt out light bulb. Something that small, something that minute. Now in chapter 10, there, there are words that you see that appear in this chapter. The words are folly and the word fool. They show up nine times, and look at that, there's only 20 verses in the chapter. So just about every other verse, uh, on average, has something about folly or this matter of being a fool. And we need to learn in our lives to avoid little things, because it's those little things that can destroy big things in our lives. We get caught up in these many times, and biblically, the word folly, you see it there in your notes, it, here's what it means, silliness or foolishness in a simple or morally perverse way. And that's what, that's what we need to understand about what folly is. It is something that's just plain silly or foolish, but it's something that is done in a perverse way. Trivial things can become treacherous things. For instance, many people believe the book of Hebrews was written by Paul. Whether you differ on that, a verse that we're very familiar with is, look at Hebrews 12.1, and the last part of that verse says, let us lay aside every what? Every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. Now, I, I don't know in, in everyone's life, I think that weight is something different. But to me, many times those weights are trivial things. Uh, it's folly. We allow ourselves to get caught up in those things. And so we need to clarify what is trivial in our lives. And why do we need to do that? Well, look at the first thing tonight is Solomon says that trivial distraction destroys valuable reputation. See, every one of us have 
this matter of having a reputation or influence. Uh, I look around the auditorium tonight, and knowing each one of you in your life, your jobs, with your family, every one of you have an opportunity to have a reputation, to have influence. And notice what Solomon starts with. Look at verse number one. Look at how interesting the chapter starts. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little, what's the word? Folly. Him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Now, it's interesting when you look at this because I've preached out of this passage many times over the years, and this, this thought here, I, especially when I speak to young people, this matter of dead flies causing the ointment of the apothecary, you're talking about back in the day, they, there was ways that they, medicine was produced. Uh, many times it was made from flowers, it was made from oils, and something gets into it, something small. A fly is not that big. But if it gets in there, what happens is, is that little fly can spoil that whole, uh, it, it might be a, a vial of, of something that, that contains a precious ointment. You know, we know about the alabaster box in the New Testament and how much it was worth and how the woman, she broke that, she poured that out on the Lord. But it's just the little things in life that can ruin an entire reputation or a testimony. And that's what every one of us need to understand. See, God has given to us control in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about we can do what we want, but God did give us a will, did he not? And as God's given us a will, what God's allowing us to do is we have control over our decisions. We have control over our behavior. We have control over our responses. Uh, God didn't make us robots. He gave us an opportunity to make some choices in life. And he shows us here, uh, uh, you know, Solomon shows us that it's the little folly, like this dead bug in a bottle of uh, medicine, or ointment, that taints the whole bottle. In other words, a, a little silliness or sinfulness can take the reputation that somebody has spent a lifetime developing, and it can be ruined in one instant. And that's, that is true. You think about uh, this matter of guarding your testimony, your reputation. Uh, I, was, I was at a church one time and something was going on and and uh it was it was it had nothing to do with us uh it just it was something it was that was happening and i wasn't real excited about it but i i just tried to have uh the right spirit the right attitude uh, i had a good relationship with a pastor and i met with him a couple times and and uh, i t finally uh, because nothing uh, had been done uh, if I was, and I know that you may not be where I was back then, but for me, and I hope I can explain this well enough, for me, if I stayed at that church with what was going on, that, was, that would be like me condoning or agreeing with what was happening there. Are you with me so far? And, and, and because of that, now it wasn't necessarily about me being right and them wrong. 
But because of that, I met with the pastor, and he was a dear friend of mine, and I, I just basically said, uh, I went in, it's not, it's not my job to tell the pastor what to do, but I talked to him about my concern. And I just kind of left it there, and I thought, I'll just wait and see what happens, and nothing happened. And so weeks turned into about a month, month and a half. And I looked at my wife as much as we love the pastor, we love the church. I, I pretty much told my, my wife, I said, we, ca we can't stay here. And it, so in other words, you have to understand, I think most of you know me by, by now, this would have never happened if it was something trivial. You with me? And so I, I went to him and said, Listen, we have talked about and prayed about, and we will be leaving the church on this day. This will be our last service, and I told him what day, and it was a couple weeks from there. And, uh, and amazingly, he never said anything. He never said, hey, listen, let me, let me make it right. Uh, give me a little bit more time. He, you know, he never said anything. And that was his prerogative. Now, I'll be honest with you, good churches are hard to come by. I didn't want to just walk away, but I knew that God had settled in my heart and truth is truth. And for me to stay would not be the right thing to do. And as hard as it was, I knew that it was what God wanted us to do. And so I, I told him, I said, well, you know, this will be our last service. So I, I walked out of the office there with him. And another week or so went by, and I said to him prior to that last service, I said, I, ha I, I have a request. I said, I, I would like to address the, 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 the people before we go. Now, you have to understand, I wasn't uh, just a member of the church. I was looked as, as staff. I wasn't uh, being paid full-time by the church. They were covering my insurance because they couldn't support a second staff member, but I was staff, so to speak. And, uh, and so I felt it was within my right to, to address the church. Now, I told the pastor, I said, you know, I'm just asking. I said, it's your prerogative, but I would like to just say a few words because I feel that it's important because of my reputation. Because you know, if somebody just leaves, what do we do? We always think what? The worst, right? It's human nature. And so he never answered me. He, he, he listened to me. And, I, and so I, I told him, I asked, I made my request. I walked out of the office. And so the, our last service was drawing near. He hadn't said a word to me. We'd been at every church service. I was kind of like the Old Testament servant. I was in the way, you know, just he had to go by me, you know, every so often. He had plenty of time. He could have said something to me, but he chose not to. So I walked in on the last Wednesday night, our last service, and I was walking through the entryway, and he saw me, and he says, hey, listen, I'll let you say something after the message and after the invitation. And I looked at him, and I said, look, you know that I love you, and I would never say anything to hurt you. I said, that's not my intent. And he said, that'd be fine. And so after it was over with, I came up, and I addressed the people, and I basically tried to... Now, that meant a lot to me because, again, you have a reputation, and I didn't want that reputation to be tainted 
And so it was important. Now, I hope that you feel the same way in your life as a Christian, that uh, if it's at your job, if it's with your family, that if something happens, that you would, you would want to say something, even if you have to take a stand. And so many times, it's the little things that destroy our reputation in an instant. Look what Matthew Henry said. Those who make a great profession of religion have need to walk very circumspectly, to abstain from all appearance of evil and approaches towards it, because many eyes are upon them that watch for their halting. In other words, people are watching for you to mess up. They're waiting for you, you know, because you've told them at work, I'm a Christian. So they're watching your life. And it says here, look, he says, their character is soon sullied and they have a great deal of reputation to lose. So it's important that we watch our reputation because a little thing like a dead fly could get in. Now, interesting, as he mentions this reputation in verse 2, he gives this analogy here about a wise man that his heart is in his right hand, but a fool's heart is in his left hand. Now, listen, my daughter's in here, my wife's left-handed. He's not, he's not speaking against left-handers, all right? That's not what that's about. What he is saying here, if you study it out in the scriptures, is metaphorically, the right hand is a metaphor for strength and for honor. The left hand is a metaphor for weakness and dishonor. So he's saying here that a fool's heart, okay, listen now, a fool's heart, one that has folly, is unrestrained in weakness. Here's what a fool does, and you, I think you know this to be true. He broadcasts his folly by his thoughtless words, his foolish behavior, and his rash reactions. That's what a fool does. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 25. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is a broken down and without walls. Now, most of us, we've studied the Old Testament enough, we know it's true. One of the best fortifications for a city in Bible times are the walls. They provided the protection for, from the enemies. And so what he's saying here is that a fool, his heart is unrestrained, but yet someone who is wise is someone that has strength, they have honor. A wise man guards his words. A wise man guards his thoughts and his he, he's careful about his reactions towards things. Look what Peter writes here in Second Peter 1 and verse 5. And here's a whole list here, and I love this passage. He writes, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, what? Virtue. And add to virtue, what? And add to knowledge, temperance. And add to temperance, what? And add to patience, godliness, and to godliness add what? Brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness you add charity. Now, what a great list, you know? These things we need to keep adding in our lives. Now, you, you look at that list, how many things, and I'm not going to ask you, how many of those things do you have? How many of those things have you added in your life? Because a wise man will do that. Look what it says in the rest of those verses there in Second Peter 1. For if these things, we just read the list, if these things be in you and, the Bible says, abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. 
you want to have a blessed life, Peter's writing here, be a wise person. Don't be a fool. Don't be given to folly, trivial things in life. Look, a fool is somebody who is quick to fire back. A fool is someone that will stir up strife over trivial matters. Uh, I was, when I was in Bible college, I was, uh, we didn't have a lot of place on the campus because the college was only three years old. And there wasn't a lot of gathering places, and so the couple little places they, there were, I was there one day, and, and I didn't spend a lot of time because I had a family at home, but I just happened to be there, and it was where the mailboxes were, so I went up to check my mail, and there was a bunch of students around, and I shouldn't have done it. It was the ornery side of me, but I decided I was going to have a little fun. And so I asked this one, there was a couple students sitting there, they were drinking, uh, and they had soft drinks, I'll call them. And so I, I leaned down and I said, hey, I said, is that a Coke that you're drinking? Or is that soda or is that pop? How many of you think it's soda? How many of you think it's Coke? How many of you think it's pop? Come on, you got to vote. It's all three. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so when I asked that, this, this humongous argument broke out. I mean, there were like 50 students in that common area, and they're going, uh-uh, that's Coke. And they went, no, that's soda, you know? And I thought, wow. And I just walked out, you know? I just, I stirred the pot, and I just walked out. I didn't know I was going to get that kind of reaction. I just, you know, from, I grew up in the Midwest, and we called it soda. Some people call it soda pop. It's funny the people that call it Coke because I'm like, well, that's an orange soda. What do you call it? You know what I'm saying? You ever, none of you, a couple of you had these conversations. But that's what it is. It's just trivial things. And I thought, I was walking out, out of that room and I'm thinking, how ridiculous that they're in there arguing. Who cares what you call it? Just pick up the <laughs> bottle and drink it, you know? But so many people want to argue over such trivial things. But look, a wise man, and this is where we need to be, a wise man discerns what are trivial matters. And here's what he says in his heart. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to, to be given over to that, to be arguing about things that are so trivial. And, and he, he avoids the conflict. Look at what somebody said. A wise man holds his heart in place while a fool throws it out indiscriminately. Here's a great example. You ever been driving your car right here or maybe on the highway and, and, and witness road rage? I mean, seriously. Somebody, somebody just, they, they, they don't have to, and I've had people just totally cut me off. I'm talking somebody just, they, they got in line when it was maybe not their turn or something like that. The truth was, I, I was coming out of a new place today and I thought I was in the right lane, but I need to be one lane over. And I looked, and there was just enough space. I didn't throw my signal, and I just jumped over. And I was waiting for the horn, you know. And so, I don't know, maybe it was a Christian there. But, but again, Solomon is instructing us. He, look, here's what he's trying to help us to understand. And I hope you're getting this tonight is Solomon's trying to help us to understand how to handle a fool. People who just fly off the handle. People who want to make such a big deal out of the trivial things. Here's what Solomon is saying is, just let them be. Walk away from it. Don't say, Look, if you stand there and get into it with them, you've just become a fool. 
by entering into the dialogue with them. The folly is not worth the cost. Look at in verses 8 and 9 in this chapter. Look at it. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. I just said that to somebody today in my office. I said, man, he's digging a pit, and he's going to fall right into the own pit that he's digging himself. Now, look, the verse doesn't stop there. Look at, whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Whoso removeth stones shall be hurt therewith, and he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. There was a man in the Old Testament, I love to study the book of Nehemiah. I love to study the character of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, in his day, God gave him a work to do. By the way, God had a will for Nehemiah, just like he has a will for you and I. And Nehemiah had people that were just plain foolish. They wanted to make so much out of trivial things. Well, how did Nehemiah handle the fool in his day? Well, look at the Bible says in chapter 6, in verse 3, I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah says, look, I, just, I don't have time. I don't have time for trivial things. I've got more important things to do than, than that. Now, you know, I, I grew up playing sports, watching sports. I don't have nothing against sports. But sometimes I see people just getting so caught up in something. Honestly, it's not going to matter who won the Super Bowl. It's not going to matter who won the World Series. Now, it's fun to have a good time with it. But, you know, again, what is important and what is trivial? Solomon is, is trying to help us to remain focused on what is valuable in life and to walk away from the folly. See, trivial pursuits, you know what they do? They'll make your life heavier. You'll spend your life worrying about everything, and then in the end you'll think it never mattered anyway. So look, at the first thing he shows us here is that trivial distraction destroys valuable reputation. Look at secondly, trivial words destroy valuable influence. Trivial words destroy valuable influence. Look at verse number 10 again. The Bible says, if the iron be blunt, it says here, and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. Ever, anybody ever chop wood? A couple of us. You ever try to chop wood with a dull axe? <laughs> it's, it's not chopping wood. It's, it's basically, you know, massacring the wood is what it is. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen it over the years, a few guys, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you would just stop and go, go sharpen that axe, it'd sure be a lot easier for you to get the job done. But so many times, people just go on with the dull edge of the blade. And you think about your life and mine. Look, Solomon's using this picture here in the middle part of this chapter of this axe and a woodsman. The axe is our influence, what God's given to us. And if we expend our energy responding to foolish people, then what's going to happen is just like using a dull axe, we're going to exhaust ourselves on trivial things when what we could have done is use that energy for something for the Lord. You with me tonight? So many times we, we spend our time on things that don't matter. We lose our edge, and you know what happens? We make a mess. We don't make a difference. We need to be making a difference. Jude wrote about that, you know. 
you and I, we need to make a difference for, for the Lord in people's lives. He mentions the axe here, the edge of the axe. And I want you to get this tonight is, it's part of our lives that leads to progress. It's what's considered growth in our lives or that we are useful in God's hands. Now, he talks about the blunting of the axe. That's where it becomes dull. And, you know, what would it, in your life, you know, we talk about, uh, uh, what's the verse we use for the guys? Uh, iron sharpen iron, okay? What are some things as a Christian that would sharpen your axe? Fellowship, what else? Time in the Word. Bible. Prayer, it's a good one. You know, all of these things are things that, that will sharpen our lives, worshiping God and so on. But what does folly do? It dulls the blade. And when it dulls the blade, it, it dulls our influence. And what it does is it doubles the work. I hope you understand how important it is to keep our lives, our influence, to where we can be effective for the Lord. The folly, the folly that Solomon is referring to here is he's talking about communication. He mentions the word the use of words, and he mentions this matter of a snake. Now, a snake striking un, unprovoked is like a fool that will attack us unprovoked. A fool's mouth, the Bible says, will eat him up. But what we have to do as Christians is to be wise and, it, listen, they might be spewing out things that are perverse, but what we need to do is choose to take the high road. Don't get involved in, in what they're saying, but use gracious words. Uh, have wise responses. Don't give up your, your valuable reputation and your influence to fling stones with fools. The, you look at the Bible, hey, listen, how important is this matter of the gospel? We need to make sure we're getting the gospel out. Had a man call today, and you know, you never really know when people call uh, where they stand, and oftentimes they ask you things waiting for you to expose, you know, what you believe or what the church practices, what the church believes. And the man asked me, he says, uh, so how do you feel about Calvinism? And that's a loaded question. And so I began to share with him some scripture and, and honestly exposing and against Calvinism. And uh, I was delighted to find out that he is not given over to Calvinism. He doesn't believe in Calvinism. And uh, so we had, we had a nice conversation because of that. But I was sharing with him, he, he, he shared a few thoughts about uh, eschatology, some of the stuff, and he, he, he varies a little bit and some of his views, and, and I said to him, I said, listen, uh, what we need to understand is, is the most important thing right now is that the Lord is using the church to reach the world with the gospel. And I told him, I said, we're, we're getting ready to have a missions conference. I said, every year we do an annual missions conference. And I said, I, you know, I hope you can come. I'd love to have you come and be a part of our conference and just experience what God's going to do. And I said, it's all about getting the gospel to the regions beyond. I said, we're trying to do everything we can. We, we have soul winning on Tuesdays and Saturdays. I said, our people, a lot of times, will grab a handful of tracks. They carry them in their purse. They carry them in their, you know, in their, in their pocket. I said, they're real good about giving out gospel tracks. I said, as a church, 
we're aggressively giving out the gospel. And that's what a wise person does. See, a fool doesn't care about the gospel. They don't care about sharing the truth with other people. And, and a, the gospel is something that calls for wisdom. It's, it's the antithesis of folly. The Bible says in Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom towards them that are without redeeming the time. Now, if we're going to walk in wisdom, then you and I know that we have to be filled with the Spirit of God, right? If, if we're going to walk in wisdom, we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Here's a couple of verses in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. The Bible says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words. Notice, this is what Solomon is dealing with here in chapter number 10. In this second point is he's talking about communication, about words. I think we all understand words are powerful tools. You know, the old adage when you were a kid, sticks and stones may break. Words do hurt folks. But words can be used for good things. See, a wise person uses his words the way he should. But look what it says. Look at these verses. It says, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, there it is again, the word of what? So look, look at me. He is, he is making the connection between the word of God, the scriptures, and what we're saying to other people. Are you with me? We've got to understand how important it is that we have the truth, but with the, that we're speaking the truth in love, that we're speaking it with wisdom, okay? But look what he says here in the end of the verses. He says, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun. Now, that's a word you ought to look up. He says, shun profane and vain babblings. That's a fool. He says, for they will increase unto more what? Ungodliness. Nothing good's going to come out of foolishness and folly. And a lot of times people want to sit around, they want, they want to discuss. You know, I told that guy, I said, in Brother Flynn, I guess this is okay to say it this way. I told him, I said, look, number one, you have to understand that the doctrine of eschatology is in the Bible. God put it there, and therefore, just like the rest of our Bible, we should know about it, right? If, if God put it in His Word, we should study it. It's one of the doctrines of the Word of God. But I also told him that as you study it, the one thing that always speaks to me is this. I'm saved. I could take this approach once saved, always saved. I don't have to worry about it because I'm on my way to heaven. It doesn't matter what happens or in what order. I know that I have everlasting life. I could do that. But a wise Christian would say, even though I am saved, I have in the Word of God enough to go on that it should cause me to have a greater burden and compassion and awareness that if I don't use my words that come from the Word of Truth, that those people will perish and go out into eternity without the Lord. And that man said to me, he's like, yeah, he goes, I agree with that. Now, I told him, I said, you might differ on a few things, maybe 
you know, when, when the uh, tribulation's going to happen or, you know, something like that. And I told him, I said, look, we've got a few other folks in our church that have some different views. But I said, sometimes we can agree to disagree. But I said, the main thing is, is that we're using our words. I wonder how many times a week you use your words that come from the words of truth to help somebody know. Now, a lot of times we, we talk about everything under the sun, do we not? We sit around in the break room, we talk about every little bitty trivial thing. But do we ever bring up Christ? It's easy to talk about trivial things, but we need to make sure that we're talking and using wisdom. Look at 2 Timothy 2.23, but foolish and unlearned questions, notice again, avoid. Avoid those foolish and unlearned questions, knowing that they do gender stripes. That's what they're going to do. Look at Matthew Henry said, many a man has been sunk by having his own tongue fall upon him. Many who are empty of sense are full of words, and the least solid are the most noisy. <laughs> that describes a, a lot of people. A lot of people say a lot of stuff, and you're like, what did he just say? <laughs> you know, and sometimes you just need to say, hey, listen, why don't you just, you know, zip it up, all right? Be, be kind about it, all right? But trivial words, here's what they do. Trivial words, words that gender stripes, words that absolutely are not going to have any impact for the Lord Jesus Christ. They destroy valuable influence, all right? And then look at this last thing. Look at number three. Trivial purposes destroy valuable opportunities. Now, God's given us many opportunities. Look at chapter 10 and verse number 16. Here he says, Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child and thy princes eat in the morning, Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. Notice that, curse not the king, not in thy thought. And curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird in the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. You're saying to yourself, what in the world is all of that? Here's what he's dealing with, all right? He's dealing with responsibilities. If you look at these verses, and I, I won't forsake a time tonight, but he's talking about having self-control when it comes to making life's decisions. Look at that statement there. Maturity is not an age, it's the acceptance of responsibility. Is that true or not? A lot, look, I used to think that when somebody got older that they were wiser. But understand, maturity is something that, as we think about it, it's accepting the responsibilities. Somewhere years ago, and I'm, I'm not toot my own horn, but I, I don't know what happened in my life, but I just, one day I just got out of bed and I realized, hey, listen, I need to make something out of myself. I need to do something with my life. And, and again, I don't really know. I don't remember some major catastrophic thing that happened in my life. I was just glad that I woke up, uh, that, that I realized, and, and look, that was long before I got married. That was long before I got serious with my wife. I just, one day I realized, hey, I don't want to just flounder around in life. 
I need to do something. And maturity is something that we need to see as accepting responsibilities. Solomon is, here's what he does is he closes the chapter. He looks, he uses a metaphor here of the political world. And he talks about how there, there is many times in life wasted responsibilities. There's opportunity that oftentimes is wasted by leadership. I mean, we're living in the United States of America. How many times do you see leadership wasting opportunities? You know, I, I get so aggravated because it seems like every time you think the House and Senate are supposed to be doing business for us as citizens, they're going on break. I'm like, listen, cancel the break until you can get something done. You know, they're gone for 8, 10, 12 weeks. And I'm thinking, you know, this, this whole thing is so out of whack. And it's poor leadership. And by the way, it's not just in this matter of the political arena. It's in every area of life. Solomon is saying, woe to the nation whose leaders are irresponsible and they don't serve others. But on the other hand, blessed is the nation that has leaders that cares about the people that actually want to serve the people. Look at good leaders take care of their people. Bad leaders exploit their people. Good leaders are growing, they're competent, they're servant-minded, but bad leaders, they're lazy, incompetent, and self-serving. Now, when you look at leadership, what's the outcome of poor leadership? Here it is. The people suffer. That's what's happening in, in America. You see it in other countries. You know, some of these countries where they have more of a dictator uh, for whoever's in charge of their country. And the dictator, I mean, they've got in their palaces, they've got uh, commodes in their palaces that are made out of gold, and yet their people are starving to death. And this is the outcome, is people suffer for lack of care and for lack of provision. But if a leader is wise, well, here's what they'll do. They'll put the needs of others before their own. And so Solomon says, look, going back to this matter of a fool, in verse number 20, he says, look, so don't get caught up in that. He says, curse not the king. Don't be a fool. Even in your thoughts, don't do that. Guard your heart so that you will not become foolish in how you respond to those that are a fool. Now, immaturity, somebody said, is self-serving. Maturity is others-focused. That's what you and I need to do is realize, look, it's not about us. Remember the, the, the end of this chapter, these last verses from verse 16 to verse 20, he's talking about responsibilities. He's talking about understanding that trivial things will destroy valuable opportunities. Folly is something that's costly. Remember that, that little fly in the ointment? It, it spoils the whole medicine bottle. And folly has wrecked many families. Folly has destroyed churches. Certainly folly has destroyed many governments and many countries Solomon experienced a derailment in his own life, but the scary thing about folly is that everyone is susceptible to it. Everyone. No one is immune from folly. Every last one of us. And so, look, don't let the little burnt-out light bulbs of life be the reason that you nosedive down instead of landing safely. Make sure that you pay attention to things in your life, and don't give yourself over to the trivial things. Run from that folly and, and make sure that you are living life on purpose. So what is the decision tonight? The decision is, I'm not going to get caught up in that. 
If I work with somebody and they just always want to argue and gender strives, I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to sit there and get into it with them because if you do, you know what's going to happen? Nothing good and nothing godly will be accomplished. Matter of fact, you'll walk away from there so frustrated because your life is heavy as a result of that. You need to ask the Lord to give you the ability to see the folly as it comes along and it, so that you won't have any regrets. Ask God to give you wisdom to just simply walk away. And so look at folly. What does it do? It destroys valuable reputation. Folly is something that reduces valuable influence. And folly is something that squanders valuable opportunities. So when it comes along, look here, just like Joseph, he got out, he ran. Nothing wrong with that. You know, tomorrow you go, to, you go to work and it's break time and you go sit down in the break room minding your own business. They come in and all of a sudden they, they start their conversations. You know what you need to do? Grab your lunch and just get up and walk out. You know, don't be given over to that. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you help us, give us wisdom, help us to see the folly. Lord, help us to not just sit around and, and be a part of that. Lord, there are so many things that you have given us in life, so many opportunities, and we squander them. And I pray that you give us wisdom to make the right choices. Lord, I thank you for the wisdom from the Word of God. We need to understand the, the value of the Word of God and the value of our words. And Lord, may we not allow something small and trivial to spoil our reputation. But Lord, may we have a true godly testimony in this sinful world that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.